Hello, and welcome to Sights and Sirens Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Sights. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Sights, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Sights and Sirens, an emergency preparedness training company. Sights and Sirens is a National American Heart Association training center and EMS training company that specializes in NREMT exam prep. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. So basically, you start at this school. It's the only option available to you. And the first night, the first thing they do with you is put you into a category of stupid, smart, brave, or evil. How do they not see a problem with that? Yeah, I guess I've never thought of it that way. I think that, yeah, I wouldn't put my kids in Hogwarts either. It's a bad school. Yeah. Homeschool your wizards. That's a, yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to the Back to Basics podcast. This is a podcast where uh, my brother and I, my brother's an ER physician and I am a paramedic firefighter nurse and we take what are sometimes considered to be complicated medical topics and we break them down to the basics and make them easy for you to understand and digest. Chris, what are our sponsors today? So we have one sponsor today. It's Elite Medical Training. Elite Medical Training is a emergency preparedness training company similar to what we've been doing out uh, in the Michigan area. They are a national company. company out of California doing emergency training stuff. So check their stuff out. We want to appreciate the, that they sponsored us today, EliteMedicalTraining.com. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of what we're doing. Uh, so why don't you then tell me what the topic is today? So your favorite topic, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about snakes. I hate snakes. Spiders and scorpions. That's horrible. <laughs> we're going to talk about envenomation today. Envenomation. So what happens when you get bit or stung by something that injects venom? And then how do we go about that? Because there's a lot of like, like kind of wives tales, if you will, about like how to like solve these situations, like from a first aid standpoint. But I like to go a little bit deeper and just kind of understand what's going on in the body when this venom hits us. And then uh, what can we do about it as emergency providers? And what's the hospital going to do about it, you know, eventually? Um, And what's funny, I'm glad that I got here today before you did, because... My buddy, t- if you, owns if you a brought a s- viper, no, shut up. You did. I'm just kidding. Oh my god, <laughs> I would have lost. Did you really I believe it though? Did no, you really but, think I did? No, but I, um, there was a part of me that like there was a little like pit in my stomach. So he, for Chris our listeners, snakes. I yeah, I spiders. I don't really care. I don't like them, but um, snakes. I can't. I mean, I was even now with my children when I go to the zoo, and I'm not making this up. I'm not being dramatic. When I go to the zoo with my children, I. They want to go in the reptile house. I, I put my head down and I look at the floor while we walk through and they like they know to like not they try to make me look at stuff, but I won't because if I even as a grown man, if I see like one of these snakes in the zoo or something like that, I mean, I'll be even if I see like a garter snake and I don't like I don't. I wasn't expecting to. I'll have nightmares for like three I weeks. feel like so nightmares for three weeks is a little much, but I feel like everyone have should have a little bit of like a mm, i don't like snakes like yeah i mean you should have a caution but mine mine is like i remember like in school they'd like bring a boa constrictor in to show you at the front of the classroom and i would like get up and like i'd have to leave the room yeah. like I, like they i am te- i am terrified so i recently heard a story from some of my firefighter buddies this where is gonna give me a nightmare this one guy worked down south uh-huh so like you take showers at the station yeah and they like a common joke is they would take a snake and they'd throw it into the shower while they're in the middle of the shower. I'd lose it. Can man. you imagine me I, naked, exposed, and a snake's at your feet? <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I would lose. Like, it. I, I mean, think about that 
every time I go in the shower at work. Yeah. I'm terrified that that's yeah. going to happen. And if it does, like the kind of revenge that I would have on these people oh, yeah. would be so extreme. Like they know, like they basically know, like that's off limits. Like right. you don't, you didn't just like, we're not no longer friends. Like I'll burn your house to the ground. Like that, that's the kind of response because that's what happens. I escalate with pranks and in yeah. dangerous ways if you've offended me. So, no, so. but so, and this is the problem too, is that like, I feel like there was a part, I remember as a child, when I was probably like middle school being like, I need to overcome this fear of snakes. Right. So we were like on this nature trip with school and they had a snake and I'm like, you know what? Overcome your fear. I remember like dad was there with me, like on this like field trip. And I was like, overcome your fears. And I just like reached out because you're a lot of pet and I reached out and I touched it. And I'm not joking you like that was the time I had nightmares for for days and <laughs> so, days. I'm similar. See, I'm not that terrified. I can do. I've had the bulk. I put the bulk. Yeah. On your neck, heck you know, no. Like when they, just heck like get no. over it. But I don't like when the face is looking at me. Oh, God. No, man. <laughs> Stop. That's, seriously. Like, no, that's what's so creepy. Is like, it, like put it on. I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. Like it's just moving like leathery thing. But then the face is like coming up. Oh, at your no, face. no, 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 no. Anyway, um, but I was doing the research for this stuff last night because that's how prepared i am for podcasts but i was doing a lot of the, some some of the background research and i was on like these like peer-reviewed articles and i was looking over just kind of like invention like let me refresh my memory and there was like pictures of snakes and stuff and i was i couldn't get to sleep last night like yeah. i literally could not get to sleep last night till like 1 20 in the morning yeah. because i just i don't like them you just don't know we live, this is thing is saying, we live in michigan where like there's like one snake like we have to worry nine about. months out of the year it's like too cold for snakes like and i'm Ireland. still like man what if it's in the wall you know what right. i mean like what if it's yeah. under my bed like yeah it's free yeah. and then like and we're digressing a little bit here but another thing and this is if you're not afraid of snakes like you should be like way more afraid than you are in my opinion yeah and this is why I decided to like, you just like know your enemy, right? So like, like I know a <laughs> sure. lot about snakes yeah. just so I can probably avoid them. But I was re okay. This is a cobra, a king cobra. Yeah. Can no joke stand itself up the height of a full grown man and move aggressively fast forward. Oh, they're super fast. That is the, you cannot run could you imagine you're just looking and feel and all of a sudden this cobra at just pops level up is coming at you and just like is literally running at you. Yeah. I would, I would kill myself. I'm going to be honest. I would just, I would just end my own life. I would not let it get to me. If I held the only option, I would just, yeah, in a heartbeat. Even if my family was there, I'd leave them. Oh, yeah. I was hiking with my wife and there was a baby rattlesnake and I ran away. I left her. I mean, I ran away and I didn't even warn her. She just saw me all of a sudden turn and run and leave her there. I mean, you know, fun for yourself at that point. There's not, uh, yeah. Anyway. We should probably start <laughs> talking about it. Anyway, what I was just getting at is the the research alone was scary. I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, no, no, there is. If you're someone who likes snakes and you're into snakes, we can't. Be I friends. don't care if I lose your business. Don't, yeah. don't listen to this podcast. It's not for you. I don't, I don't have any respect <laughs> for you. I don't understand you as a human being. I don't, I just don't care. Like, yeah. if I lose 20% of my business to people who like snakes, I'm fine with that. Like I, I'll, I'll stand by that. It was just like a survey question we asked when we we're like doing business with people. Like, do you like snakes? They're like, yes. We're like, get out of here. Get out. Just get out. This isn't for you. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, um, I think that covers our intro. We next <laughs> wanted to talk about um, so just some common North American venomous creatures. So we're not just talking about snakes today. They're our least favorite, but we're talking about anything that can inject venom. So why don't you explain what is the difference between poison and venom? Very simple difference. Do you know? I don't know right, what you're so getting here, at. Let me so tell you. Ahead, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Poison. Well, <laughs> venom is injected, right? In order for okay. something to be venomous, they have to be able to inject the venom into you. Okay. So it's bites and stings. 
Okay. Versus okay. poison is just like you can like drink poison. You can. I, you know I mean, so, so it has to be injected. There's like, there is poisonous glands on like frogs that you touch and you can absorb it. So poison uh, is absorbed. Venom is injected. Okay. So is, with like bee stings. Well, I guess they don't it's have not venom. Poison. <laughs> <laughs> we should cut that part out. <laughs> no, no, I like it. It makes you look like an idiot. And every okay. once in a while, you need to be humbled because right. you're the fancy so, doctor. I'm just trying to think of other things that sting and inject, but I guess that's what we're talking about. Literally is. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's the big difference between poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you're right. You're okay. right. That makes sense. Making me nerved out about this bad pre- preparation I did last night because I was so terrified. Anyway, we're going to talk today about more North American issues. So to our international uh, listeners, the four of you, are <laughs> <laughs> no, the, to our international listeners, you know, th- this information about Venom is still obviously important. Yeah. And, but we're not going to talk about King relative. Cobras. We're not going to be talking about stuff that we don't see stuff. in North America. All right. And then I say that I don't even know. Can King Cobras, do, are they venomous? They've got to be, they right? S- I think they spit poison, don't they? That makes it worse. I don't. Yeah. We, we don't I don't want to talk, talk about, about that at all. So anyway, yeah, I believe they spit. They're, they have poison glands and they spit poison as opposed to so you're telling me, biting and uh, injecting. So they're not yeah, technically I don't venomous. About, I don't want to really talk about King, We're not going to talk about King Cobras. I refuse <laughs> to talk about King Cobras. All right. Go. So here's what we are going to talk about. North American stuff. We're going to talk about pit vipers. Okay. Coral snakes. Okay. Black widows. Got it. Brown recluses. Okay. And a certain type of scorpion called a bark scorpion. Okay. Okay. We're Midwest. Like we don't really deal with scorpions. Yeah. 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 But um, these are the venomous. The so these major. Are the main, these okay. are the major venomous things that you'd have to worry about in North in America. America Got it. Right? right. So first and foremost, pit vipers are uh-huh. least favorite. Do you know anything about pit vipers? Pit you vipers. I know expert. that you. <laughs> I was the <laughs> expert. No. So pit vipers. They have a different head shape and yes. different like. So they are typically a triangular can, head shape. Yep. Because they're. Venomous glands are so swollen. That. So because they store their 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 venom in those glands, that's what gives them kind of that triangular shaped head. So pit vipers would be things like rattlesnakes. Yeah, rattlesnakes are a very common type of pit viper. Um, water moccasins and mm. copperheads okay. are the other two. Um, and so they, they look different than coral snakes because of this. Well, they all have venom glands, what right? What looks different than coral snakes? Their heads. Their head, that's how you differentiate between like a pit viper and like a, a coral snake. Yeah, the, the yeah. Coral snake is just like it's completely it's like a flathead, and it can swim. You can swim, Dude. man. Don't. Yeah, there's no. I can't even the swim. stuff I saw last night. I can't <laughs> explain it to you. Anyway, um, so yeah, so some things to in terms of pit vipers, some things to identify them. Um, they all have slit like eyes. Like their pupils will be a slit. That that is common to just pit vipers not all snakes um they do have that triangular head due to venom glands and then there's like all this information in this article i was reading about like how the scales go i didn't even understand what it was talking about though the scales do like a certain thing like they're not like it's not like scales next to each other it's like scales like going over like armor plating sort of if you're that close you're the victim at this point so i feel like you know ask the victim what the scales like like. don't get close enough to the (laughs) rattlesnake to like identify whether it's scales are the right direction or whatever and then get bit that so all pit vipers so there's types of pit vipers like you said like rattlesnakes and water moccasins and what was the other one copperheads all pit vipers are venomous that's why that's why we we put them into the category of pit vipers because they're venomous yes correct okay yeah so, it was a rhetorical question. Those are the yeah, three yeah. pit vipers. I yeah. don't think there's any others. Right. And that's why we categorize them because pit vipers have those. I, you can identify them by those features that you spoke on. And that means you know that they're pit vipers and they're venomous. So rattlers, they have rattles. Mm-hmm. That's usually to, to warn you that they're going to bite you. Mm-hmm. However, some rattlers 
don't rattle and they some like hikers just get by people by people <laughs> by rattlers that don't rattle at all like they just didn't bother so like you don't have they're to like like don't stealth, count on the like stealth rattlesnakes <laughs> yeah, is that what we're dude. talking about no, like you, you can't you can't count on them rattling to know that they're like around like you might just walk and step well on and that's why they, like when you're hiking in like you know different national parks and stuff like that where they have like they say like don't go off the trail don't go climbing on rocks because they'll sit up and sunbathe and you're gonna grab them and yeah I don't hike because of that. No, I do. I do. I, I hike, but I've never seen the surrounding scenery. If there's snakes in the area, I've only ever seen the ground when I Well, hike. I don't know if you... It's different ground. Different That's ground. It's always different ground. No, but do you, I don't know if you remember. So you when you and I went mountain biking in Colorado, and do you remember we were out... We, we heard were, one. Yeah, yeah, because we like... We had like taken a quick turn and then had stopped or something. And then we heard one like very close off the trail rattling. Yeah. We were like, I was gone. And then you thought that. about that the rest of the week launch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was it for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, rattlesnakes, right? Then copperheads are named copperheads because of their copper colored head. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd be able to recognize a copperhead. It looks like a snake to me. I don't like snakes. I'm already gone. Um, and then water moccasins, also called cotton mouths. These guys can swim. And the way they swim, man, I just you watched them. Swim? I watched some videos. Oh, nope, it's really spooky. Nope. So anyway, they they can swim, and then they're called cottonmouths. I didn't know this. When they open their mouth, don't get that close. The inter- their interior is white. Okay, so that's why they call them cottonmouths. Like they got cotton in their okay. mouth. Um, next, besides pit vipers, we also have coral snakes. Are the next like major venomous one that we have to worry about in North America. So coral snakes, you guys might have heard this. They have they have basically red, black, and yellow stripes mm-hmm. and there's the whole phrase that's like red on yellow kill a fellow red on ba- black venom black yeah guess what i learned last night no not true what there are like depending on where you're at you can have the red or black and they're still venomous. so th- again this is just, so just I mean, like we can someone this whole... came up with these general dumbass rules <laughs> that like yeah. I, you know don't even apply in all cases we could just end this conversation right here in my opinion though just don't well, don't go by snakes period Snakes are everywhere. Snakes are everywhere. <laughs> Don't leave your home. Amazon. You got they Amazon. Get in your home. You got ships. Have you now. ever seen the? Have Don't. you ever seen the TikTok? Okay, no. Right. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway, those are snakes. Other venomous creatures. Let's stop talking about snakes for a second. Well, actually, let's let's keep talking about snakes a little bit. <laughs> right. Only because so so one thing that <laughs> so one thing that people most of the time so obviously like. Snakes don't have venom so that they can bite humans. They have venom so they can stun their prey. Most of the time, there's such thing as a dry bite and there's such thing as a venomous bite. So most of the time when you're bit, when when you as a, if they're trying to protect themselves, they'll dry bite. They don't, they don't inject the venom or they only inject like a very little bit because if they now, and where you're going to run into big problems is it because if they were to bite something and inject all their venom, they now have no venom die like bees. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what'll happen is they, they have no venom left and now they can't hunt for food for like a while. Oh wow. So they only inject a little, like if you're going to bite a mouse, they inject a little bit of venom. And and they they, do that to paralyze the mouse, kill the mouse and then they can eat it. And then they can eat it. Right. So they they don't want to eat us. They just want to. Right. So if they're protecting themselves and they're biting like a a predator or like us, a lot of times they'll dry bite because they don't release their venom because they need that to survive. And if they do inject venom, it won't be necessarily all of it. Now, if you get bit by a poisonous snakes and it injects all of its venom, like then you're going to have some of the crazy systemic things that we talk, you know, like obviously the more venom it injects, the more severe the reaction we're going to see. But just something that people don't, you know, necessarily like always know. So, yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. All right, so now we're going to move on from snakes to other venomous things. Okay. Spiders. There's black widows, brown recluses. 
Those are the two right. main ones Those that we're talking about one, for North America. Ones in North America. They're both found. Everywhere. Well, so Black Widow is it's typically Southern, mm-hmm. but brown recluses are everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Black Widows, if you don't know, they have that little like red hourglass. They're completely black. They're pretty small. I thought Black Widows for some reason were like tarantula. But they're like oh, yeah, very no, small. They're pretty small. Yeah. Spiders. Um, but they've got that red hourglass look uh, on their on their what torso (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. there's a more scientific name for it but not a spider expert chris is the snake expert um so that's how you identify those i believe it's only the females that have that as well correct yeah and they eat their they eat called black widows because they eat their males yeah right when they 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 reap they like basically have sex with the male eat them now they're a black widow and they have a hope it's a good lay at least yeah i would hope so that's your last one yeah um so that's black widows brown recluses Okay, this article I read was talking about brown recluses and like how to identify them. Apparently, they have like what did they say? Some some sort of shape on their body. It looks like it was like. And then I'm looking at the picture. I can't even find the shape. Like it's a brown spider. It's, it's a, a little brown, brown spider. spider. It bites you and it hurts like hell. Yeah. Assume it's a brown recluse. I, I suppose. Yeah. Like, that's kind of it's a little brown a spider. Gener- a general. It's pretty much all but. brown. It's a whole body is brown. And then there is like some people say that there's like this type of shape on its back that's pointing towards like its butt end. But I couldn't see it even in the pictures. Okay. Yeah. Now maybe I'm not the smartest. And again, but, and 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 they talk about different ways to identify these spiders. But keep in mind, and you know, and snakes. You don't. The goal is not to capture the creature that bit the victim We're to bring it in for identification. Right? We'll it. talk about that. Just don't do that unless you've had the proper training. There's <laughs> no training that I know of. We should right. start offering that though. How, would, like, how am I going to offer? How that? are we going to capture the creatures? And then it's like a special certification. You get ACLS, you get BLS, and then you get like, like animal response. Okay. Okay. We can create that. Something can I just about. teach the beginning part where it's like run and hide? Oh, you can teach only... all about snakes because you know all about snakes. <laughs> all about snakes. Yeah, I just can't look at it. Like um, lastly, scorpions, um, bark scorpions. They're yellow. They're very small, like five centimeters in diameter. Um, they're those are the ones that are like the big venom ones, mainly in, in the south and that sort of thing. South and west, oh, like California, stuff like that. They like to hide in shoes. Have you ever seen like the Indiana Jones movies where they're like dumping the shoe out? Horrible. You know? They hide in shoes, like under. They're called bark scorpions because they they tend to like hide under like wood and um, in trees. Things with bark. Okay. <laughs> Fair. That makes sense. I'm like yep. Chocolate bark. I don't think you need to keep telling me more. But yeah. anyway, those are the poisonous things. So we've got pit vipers, coral snakes, black widow, brown recluse. Bark scorpions. Okay. Bark scorpions can identi- be identified because they are yellow. So next, what I want to talk about is kind of what not to do. Kind of, d- kind of debunk some of the myths that you hear about what to do when you're bit or you're injected. Like people have lots of ideas. Yeah. So what are some of those kind of quote unquote wives tales that you that you've heard of what to do if you get bit from TV, not necessarily from your medical knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't suck the venom out. Right. So <laughs> if you watch general, an old cowboy movie, right. a lot of times they take a knife, they incise the wound, make it bigger, and then they quickly suck the venom out of their mouth and spit it because the idea is we'll stop the venom from getting into the bloodstream pice. And that's not even like that. People like used to try that. Yeah. And then they'd like get veneration from their mouth. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know why. I, like theoretically, you no, would think. No, <laughs> no I get what you're saying. I get why maybe someone would come up with that. Like the venom's yeah. going somewhere. But like now that we know about yeah, yeah, like don't science, do. you know what that it's going right into the bloodstream. It's absorbed in the tissues. You're not going to be able to get any enough of that out or any of that out, and you're just going to put yourself at risk. Especially so in that. EMS, where like the first thing we always do is scene safety and then PPE. 
sucking a wound. Putting your mouth on a patient. Like, should be general. There is like, never a time now. And there used to be mouth to mouth, right? Yeah, but yeah. there is never a time that you should put your mouth on a patient. General rule. Rule number one. Yep. Not just with envenomations, guys. In any situation, if I ever write a book, your mouth if I ever write a book, that is going to be like the rules. It's going to be called mask up. Don't put your mouth. On don't put your mouth on a patient. Yeah. Okay. So don't do that. Uh, what are some other things? Or the book will be called "What to Do with Your Mouth in EMS." Keep it shut. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter one: Keep it shut. Be seen, not heard. <laughs> um, all right. So don't suck the poison out. Don't tourniquet now this is one that i thought for a long time was like a real thing i thought you know so the idea is you know we tourniquet to to trap blood flow in in an area right to prevent blood flow going systemic right so it would make sense hey let's tourniquet and keep the keep the poison or the venom you know in in that compartment so if i get bit in the arm tourniquet the arm now it's not an issue not true doesn't work Right. Bottom line, like we don't need to get in the science of it, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, and it puts the limb and that kind of thing at even more risk of, I mean, yeah, it's just don't, don't do it. it. Um, do not use extraction devices. So some agencies and places have like these special extraction devices where they're like little suction cuppy deals where you mm-hmm. like put them on and it's essentially sucking the poison out without your mouth. Yeah. They don't work. Don't so don't use them like like they literally don't. And I had to like look into this a little bit, too, because like some of them like legitimate agencies are kind of like all oh, extraction devices like. Emergency medicine does not recognize these extraction devices as working. If you have heard of one that does and like it breaks some rules, write in about it because I'd be interested to know. I didn't even know these things existed. So it's kind of cool. Um, and then the other thing is, like you were saying, like recovering the body, right? Like it is important to try to identify, don't go looking, but if you can identify what injected the venom, that can help the ER out a ton in terms of getting antivenom and then knowing what mechanism is going to be potentially harmful to the patient. We're going to talk about kind of the two big mechanisms that happen uh, with envenomation. But a lot of times people would think like, oh, like if the snake is dead, I can take the snake with me. Mm -hmm. So I found out last night that a snake head can still bite you up to an hour after it's been removed from the body. That Like a chicken with a head cut off kind of thing. That's what it said. But basically a dead snake. Maybe it was a dead snake and bite you. Maybe it's not when your head cut off. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. So a dead snake. If the snake is dead. Bottom line, if it's dead, it ain't dead. Don't touch the snake. Don't touch the snake. It can bite you and inject venom after Zombie snakes exist. Just even if the... No Every snake, snake is a zombie snake. <laughs> no snake is safe. And neither are you because of it. Be terrified. We're, we're an emergency preparedness company, but we want to let you know, be terrified. No one is prepared for this. No one is prepared for this. And we no don't one even is know prepared for the zombie snake apocalypse. So those are the four things. Tourniquet, suck poison out, handling the snake's head or the dead snake or using extractor devices. All of those are out the window. We don't do those things. So you might ask, well, what the heck do we do? Right. And in this situation, you're going to find the answer is always the answer pretty much is we're going to stabilize and we're going to resuscitate. We're going to treat symptoms. We're going to try to handle those issues. Understanding what we're going to be looking for is the important part now, right? You have all the tools as a medic or an EMT to be able to treat a patient with envenomation. Not not to completion. You know, you need to still get them to the hospital, but you can stabilize that patient. You have you have the tools. There's no special device or special technique that we do for, for venom. But... If you understand venom's kind of mechanism of action, if you will, in the body, you're going to have a better understanding of what to look for and then what how to aggressively resuscitate or get ahead of the, you know, don't don't get behind the eight ball. So 
two types of mechanisms. Why don't you go over the first one with us? All right. So there's two main ways that venom from a general standpoint that when we talk about these venomous creatures, that there's two ways that their venom operates in order to, again, in nature, paralyze or kill their prey. Um, and that can event essentially affect us if we get bit. So in venomations, two things, coagulopathy. So uh, certain types of snakes and certain types of envenomations cause coagulopathy. That's how it kills its prey. That's what we're going to see happen to our patients if they get bit by these types of things. What does coagulopathy mean? So coagulopathy is essentially that your blood starts clotting. Right. So right. if we have coag, we're always talking about the clotting, right? Coagulation, right. the clotting, and then apathy. Anytime we have pathy, right? It's right. usually like pathology. It's an issue with it. Right. Right. So we either have too much clotting or, or too little clotting. Too little clot- yeah. A problem with clotting Depending, mechanisms. Yeah. So and once again, we have a problem if, you have, with clotting. if you thin the blood out too much, then people and you know, victims, you know, bleed out internally. If you do it too much, then they form clots and have strokes and heart attacks and all. You know what I mean? So this is this is how these this, the one type of venom will work. Right. Right. That way. Um, so the, and then the other type is neurotoxicity and neurotoxicity is basically where we're dealing with the neurological sim- mm-hmm. system. And because of some things that are happening at the at the motor junction, we get paralysis. We get either partial or full paralysis. We can have issues with the brain and we can kind of get into that. So well, and that, typically that venoms you, will be one or the other. It'll be kind of a coagulopathy type of venom sure. or it will be a neurotoxin type right. of venom. And the neurotoxin is essentially like, you know, how it kills prey or how it would kill a patient is that it. Paralyzes everything, including the diaphragm, including the respiratory, and then you stop breathing, you stop breathing and yeah. then you die. So that's kind of how the- you always die for the same few reasons, right? Your right, heart yeah. stops, you stop breathing, your head gets chopped off. You can still bite for an hour. <laughs> I don't think humans can still bite for an hour. <laughs> I've heard the guillotine. People, those, those, those heads, heads would, that's not true at all. <laughs> so, so cool. So let's talk about coagulopathy a little bit more. So. What happens a lot of times with snake bites or spiders or or scorpion bites, this is more common in snake bites, the coagulopathy things, especially pit vipers, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So the big issue that we're looking for is hypotension because of the pooling of the blood. Okay, so the blood clots weird. And then because of that, we have what type of shock? So. Yeah, so blood clotting in the wrong areas in different parts of the body is going to essentially lead to a more like it's not an obstructive shock. It's going to lead to more of a distributive shock. Right. You don't throw a PE from this necessarily, or right. you don't have a heart attack because of the coagulopathy, but because there's issues with coagulation of blood, oftentimes you have clots, micro clots everywhere. And then because of that, you can't clot anymore because you've exhausted all your clotting mechanism. And now the blood's pooled and it, it can't. Yeah. You know, now so you're a bleeding funny. risk and things like that. And we call that disseminated intravascular coagulopathy or DIC. Nope. D-I-C. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Incorrect. I don't know. Disseminated. No. Nope. I'm looking at the outline. It says nope. DIC on it. Nope. It is disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, D-I-C. Right. Yes. So if you get dicked, <laughs> what happens is th- that's that's kind of the opposite of what you'd think. It's tons and tons of microclots everywhere. It's like your body is... Well, and we see, and that's the thing, we see DIC in when the, when the body is essentially shutting down. So we'll see DIC. I mean, the, the most, the most I've come in contact with patients suffering from DIC is in patients who have been in the ICU for a long period of time. They're crazy septic for a long time. Their body is shutting down. So again, it, there's a little bit of confusion for, for people because we think that like, oh, they're getting all these clots everywhere. 
which means that they're it's a clotting like they're having excess clotting and and yes but they're also having pooling and thinning of the blood in other areas because we're using up because so of the excess so it's yeah it's, it's one inappropriate mechanism. right it's inappropriate clotting in the wrong spots essentially right. look at it that way and because of that we've used up all our ability to clot so the rest of the blood is too thin and distributed incorrectly so it's really both so people are like well is it a you know, is it is the blood thinned out and they have a bleed? So these people will both have bleeding like when we're in these ICU in the ICU. I've seen this where people are like, you know, bleeding from their GI tract. They've got a GI bleed because their blood's too thin and their fingers and toes are dying from necrosis because they have clots in those clots. So it's cutting both. Off the circulation it is both. And that's what this venom stuff will do as well. The, the pit crazy. vipers and things that their venom causes coagulopathy. You're going to get like a, a DIC where you see both micro clotting in areas that it shouldn't be and thinning of the blood systemically because we're using up those clotting factors, which is going to lead to bleeding issues. So you're going to bleeding and clotting both. And usually we, we don't usually see DIC. DIC with this type in emergency medicine, we don't bump into DIC too often. We usually are bumping into it when people already have clotting issues, like they have like thrombocytopenia or something like that, where they they have like they have like autoimmune disorders or they're taking medications that can kind of cause these issues. So that's what we normally see it. Venom is kind of like, oh, okay, it can also cause this from venom, right? Um, It's not, it's not, I guess. Dick isn't specific to venom. It's not. Stop. <laughs> so I try to get it. All right. Um, so the, what's the big issue there from an emergency provider? Well, we have pooling of that blood, like you said. But bottom line is we have blood in the wrong places. Right. right? And that's what we would call distributive shock. And shock is always going to turn into low blood pressure or hypotension. Mm-hmm. And now we have an issue that the blood can't get to the right spaces because it's be, be, being pooled. Now we ha- we're hypotensive. Right. Mm-hmm. And these people can go hypotensive very quickly and it can be pretty extreme hypotension because of the, the clotting is is a big issue. And that depends on how much venom was injected at the time. You know, what I mean, that's anything right. too. And so it actually can... there's quite a bit of time can go by before you start seeing symptoms. So up to eight hours later after an envenomation, can you start to have serious symptoms of it? That's so that's something to remember. Know. If they yeah. got bit and they feel great, it's not like a bee sting where, oh, they had an anaphylactic reaction or they didn't. Like, yeah. nope, this isn't anaphylaxis. This is envenomation. It's a different mechanism. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think that it's very similar. Like you talked about bees earlier. I don't think you thought that, <laughs> but right, right, you right. talked about bees earlier. You know what I mean? It's the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, you yeah. got stung by something. Oh, he's having an allergic reaction to the mm-hmm. snake venom. No, yeah. it's not how it works. You're not hypersensitive that's to the snake a good venom. Point. Yeah, it actually to has a process that it, it Differentiating does. between... Yeah, allergic reactions to stings and bites versus yeah. envenomation. So you got to know what, and that's why identifying these, like, so I'm sure there are snakes that bite and you can have a little a little irritation, allergic reaction. But if it's a pit viper, then you have to worry about envenomation. If it's a coral yeah. snake, you have to worry about envenomation. We're not so, talking about histamine release and things like that. We're yeah. talking about coagulopathy and we're talking about neurotoxicity. Okay. Toxicity. You're going to see if you say I dick know. again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the other thing, too, to look for is pulmonary edema from pooling in the lungs themselves. Sure. So you can get pulmonary edema and now you're having shortness of breath because your lungs are filling with fluid because, again, the, the the blood is pooling in the lungs. It can't get out of there into the right spaces. So okay. we start to have issues. So how would we handle those issues? Pretty easy. You know, manage the airway. You can consider if you have uh, pulmonary edema, you can consider, you know, CPAP, BiPAP, those sort of things, you know, aggressive controlling of the airway as always. And then also fluid resuscitation for the hypotension. Right. right. We're not necessarily fixing the problem. We're putting a Band-Aid on it by giving more fluid to charge the vessel so we can perfuse. Yeah. With neurotoxicity, if you remember anything about um, basically how a motor neuron works, there is um, 
there's basically that synaptic cleft, right? So you have on one side, you know, the motor neuron, the other side, you got the axon. And then basically you have to have the chemicals travel over that in order to send a, send an electrical signal. It ends up becoming electrical in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, cells move very fast. Involved in that process is acetylcholine. And then there's acetylcholine, you know, reuptake and there's acetylcholine esterase, which destroys acetylcholine. And there's that whole situation. So acetylcholine gets released into that motor junction in order to activate um, a a response. So if you're going to flex a muscle that's happening, on, you know, a a one millionth scale and it's happening across the whole thing, you know, millions of times Um, within that. If you and you can do some research on that, look, look into that if you're interested. It's more of an anatomy and physiology thing, not something you have to know a ton about for EMT or paramedic. But um, what's happening there is that you have acetylcholine being blocked at receptor sites so that it can't it can't bind to receptor sites and therefore is just kind of free roaming. And then we can't uh, have the motor function happen, right? We can't activate that impulse, right? So that's what causes neurotoxins. That neuro that neurotoxic venom essentially is blocking acetylcholine in the you know motor at the motor neuron, so that you can't move, right? Right, and this can happen in pretty much any neuro-like symptom. So you can get. Uh, poor brain function and things like that from this, um, but more likely in a, especially in the localized area, you're going to get paralysis. Some and you can start, yeah, like, you can start losing um, function, mm-hmm. and then because of that, well, actually, that's the question. Do you, do you get numbness, tingling, and that sort of thing? Because that's more of a sensory. Not always. Not but, always. So we'll talk about general bites too. Just some of the things that you might bump into, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a common thing with a general bite because there's okay. more. There's more to it than just like this is the coagulopathy venom. It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we yeah. have hundreds of anti venoms for very spe- each to yeah, a specific yeah. creature because they do a lot of different things. Yeah. You and might. Look, you might actually too. Like I didn't really touch on this, but you might get a a venom where you're dealing with a little bit of neurotoxicity and a little coagulopathy. Yeah. 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 So it it all kind of sure, depends. Sure. On the but these are the two main mechanisms, and that's why why we have to aggressively fluid hydrate to you know we, we got to know what we're treating so we know right. so we know what's going on i'll speak to on a little bit like i mean like you you mentioned anti-venom so if is if essentially if the reaction is is severe enough we need to get these patients anti-venom now every hospital does not carry anti-venom most hospitals don't carry anti-venom so the way it works is that you, that's one thing that you should know for your ems agency your hospital that sort of thing is where would you get these types of things right some places might not have access at all some places might need to call like the government and like you know get it shipped to them in some in some way shape or form for so for instance in the detroit area all the anti-venom that we have access to is at the detroit zoo so, you know, Jason, they have the snakes, yeah, because they have the snakes. So and they have to have the, the anti-venom on board in case one of their handlers gets bit and that sort of thing. So, you know, you and I have done most of the training for the Detroit Zoo and we really appreciate being able to work with them and have had some cool experiences with them, you know, working with their people. But um, and we've been able to talk about that with them a lot. So the hospitals in the Detroit area usually have a way in which that if they needed it, they could get the anti-venom from the Detroit Zoo. Yeah. Uh, so you got to kind of know is that there's there's there is a there's no money to be made in making antivenom. Right. So no pharmacist, no pharmaceutical company wants to make antivenom because people aren't buying antivenom. Right. It's not. Yes. Yeah, and it's not so much that it's a rarity that people get 
get venom in their system. Right. It's a rarity that it's going to be that specific venom, and they're going to be able to make that, bank right. on that one type. So they don't make a bunch, which means that we don't really have much. So yeah. you know what I mean? So there are there are pockets of areas where you so you just know where you can get that. Um, and obviously, your hospital is going to know where they can get it if they need. And some hospitals, so. a lot of times, they'll carry uh, a couple of different types of like common anti venoms. Mm-hmm. So like they'll they'll carry something to handle. Like if you have a certain type of snake in your area. Like in um in Michigan, what do we have around here? What's it called again? The uh, we have one pit viper in in Michigan that is dangerous, and it is called Jamie. Help me out here, Jamie. What's that pit viper that we have in Michigan? You asking the camera guy? It's called. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna cut. I'm gonna look it up, and then I'm gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> so in Michigan, we have something called the Massasauga um, Cisternus catenatus. Which I know a lot about. You just looked that up. Um, Literally just looked that up. I watched you look that up. (laughs) And it is a pit viper because it's a rattlesnake. Mm -hmm, Right. And that's the one we have to worry about. Anyway, local hospitals might have antivenom for that specific species is what I was trying to get at. But not like all of them. Right. They're not going to hold coral snake ones around here. So, yeah. Yeah. To, To your point. This is why it's so important to get the ball rolling with communication early on, which we'll talk about in a minute. But like you got to let the hospital know because it's going to take time and resources to get that antivenom and like get the long term treatment and know what they're looking at. So, again, our job most of the time, yes, we're going to be doing aggressive stabilization and resuscitation if we're losing these patients. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing that we can do is get the definitive treatment ball rolling by contacting the hospital, trying to let them know what we what bit them, what kind of signs and symptoms we're seeing. And then they can know, Okay, we've got. A Massasauga, you know, envenomation. We need to get that antivenom. We need to get prepared. These are the things. And sometimes we're too, for. like I said, if you don't have access to the antivenom, even in the hospital, it just becomes very aggressive supportive care until that venom works its way out. So yeah. we have that. You know, that sometimes is all we can do as well. And then another thing too is that there's another resource. Obviously, you have is poison control. Yes. So like, we can talk about that really quick. So yeah. So poison control is one eight hundred one two two no no one eight hundred one eight hundred two 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 one two 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 yes. So all twos except the one and the last four digits. Yep. So one eight hundred two 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 one two two two. Yes. Yep. 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 So, so and that's across the board. So that they'll that'll put you in touch with your local. Have you ever contacted poison control? Oh yeah, all the time. They're super nice. Yeah. Every time, like they love to hear. I I was surprised. A lot of times, as an EMS provider, like I call and I'm kind of like, oh hey, like it's me. I'm sorry to bother you because I, you know, you don't feel like poison control will talk your ear off, man. Like they yeah. they love. I don't know if they maybe they're just not utilized that much. That's why. But like they are like so friendly. Like we'll like give you some backup, like let you know what to do. Like they're super they they love it. Like I think sometimes with the false activations of like 911 and stuff, like yeah. you expect like dispatcher like people to just always be jaded because it's abused. Poison control is not that way. They're like, thank you for calling. Let me tell you everything. Well, what's cool, too. And this is I mean, this is kind of more for physicians, but I mean, not necessarily. So I so um Michigan's poison control is based in the Detroit area. So when I, I was able when residency to do a couple toxicology rotations with the toxicologist who literally worked with and I got to like meet some of these people who answer the phones and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So literally like I'd be in like a lecture and one of these operators would come over and be like, hey, Dr. So and so, you know, th- this person on the phone has a question. He'd pick up the phone. He'd be the toxicologist for Michigan and pick up the phone and, and like start to talk to you through. And they love awesome. that. I mean, that's like their jam. They yeah. love that stuff. That's cool. They're like. They hope people get poisoned. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but no, but they do. They're really, really kind. They, there's a lot of resources, and they've got 
you know, they will answer all your questions, tell you what their recommendations are. And they'll help get the ball rolling, too, because like right. just me just calling you might not necessarily because you're like, I don't know who to call. You know, right. you probably call boys I call control. Boys if I'm well. already like, hey, I called them. I, I've already told them what hospital I'm transporting to. They've already contacted the zoo. They're going to say, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to figure out things for you. And, you know, they're. They're rare resource. circumstances, so we do need to have you know some special resources, and, yeah, and yeah. that's what they're very yeah, good they're about. Definitely so, resource. So, so anyway, the last thing I just want to talk about too was before we get into emergency treatment and stabilization. Well, really quick, do you want to talk about like neurotoxins? So, like, um, uh, what I'm trying to say, black widows. Black widows inject a neurotoxin. Yes, we, we talked about the neurotoxins. I just like we said, mm-hmm. pit vipers are usually like the coagulopathy type of thing. Black widows are a neurotoxin. Yeah, and I believe Most too. I, I don't quote I me on this. Scorp- scorpions probably a neurotoxin. Again, there as well. can be combinations of both, but I think coral snakes tend to be the neurotoxin over the oh, okay. coagulopathy. Okay. I don't know for sure. Don't quote me on it, but I think okay. that's from my research last night. I think that's what we're going. Yeah. I started getting weird. Like instead of like looking at the medical stuff, I just started like learning a lot about. Yeah. Weird snake stuff. And then exactly. got myself freaked out and I stayed up all night. Exactly. <laughs> so. And then brown recluses are a little bit different. So brown recluses, actually, when they bite, they essentially inject like a venom, but it's more of a um, like causes like a necrosis. Yeah. And this can tissue. happen. We'll talk about general symptoms, too. Okay. But yeah, especially brown recluses, you're more, more likely to lose like a limb over. Mm-hmm. If it's um, a big enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so general symptoms that you can see nausea and vomiting. Very normal shock-like symptoms, right? Diaphoresis, swelling and necrosis can happen pretty much at any bite site. So swells, area dies, right? Necrotic tissue, it's going to like be brown, gray, you know, it's dead, yeah, black, dead tissue. Um, And this can spread. And that's why we always thought like, oh, we'll turn a kid, but that doesn't work. One issue that you can have, some people talk about compartment syndrome with envenomations. Well, what that's what's happening there is the swelling is so bad and it's circumferential on a limb that it cuts off circulation to other areas. And then what you get is a compartment syndrome where you have that that blood sitting in that area. It can't get out of that compartment. And now we deal with compartment like syndrome. So that area gets really tight, reddened. It can be very painful. Lack of blood flow. and Lack of blood flow. Then more necrosis of the tissue because of that. Yeah. And then and we have to be careful. You know, this is more of a you know hospital job. But as they start bringing circulation back into that area, all that, you know, anaerobic metabolism happened there. So you yeah. have all this nasty stuff that's going on. All those toxins are going to then go systemic once we get yeah. blood flow back. So we have to be prepared to deal with and those And that's issues. part of the reason that the tourniquets, one, they didn't really work to prevent the systemic things, but they were preventing blood flow to the limb that was affected, which was expediting the necrosis, expediting the wasn't, damage. It wasn't trapping the venom. It was just trapping the blood. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, exactly. Causing- and, and you almost want that blood flow to circulate so that you can kind of dilute the venom. As mm-hmm. it, So it, it's kind of this balance between like we don't want it to become systemic, but at the same time, we do kind of want to dilute it. So, again, that's why tourniquets probably probably don't work. Yeah. So you can see compartment syndrome. One thing to keep in mind, removing the jewelry on the patient, like Probably anywhere. Yeah. You know, just, Fingers, just remove you know, rings, it because what happens bracelets. is if you do start to swell in that area or you get that compartment, now you can't get the, that stuff off because it swelled yeah. too bad. Um, shock in general, main shock that we're always going to be kind of big worried about is that hypotensive shock from, you know, a distributive issue. So if we start to see low blood pressure, you know, it'll usually be pretty significant and it can happen very quickly. So be prepared like that, have a line started and then give fluid mm-hmm. if they start to go hypotensive just to keep them alive and um, for enough time for us to handle the, the envenomation issue um, at its at its core. And then airway issues too. Mm-hmm. So because of the neurotoxin or the pooling and the like the coagulopathy in the lungs and the pulmonary edema, you can you can run into big airway issues. So sure. aggressive airway management is going to be important too. And then depending on the 
the bite or sting. There are some that are won't have much pain at the site at all. You might not even be able to locate the site. Yeah. There are others that have extreme pain at the site, extreme, extreme pain at the site. Um, so pain control, pain control is very important. For the icing the area for swelling. swelling. So yeah, some of these like, um, they, they always describe it in the textbooks and stuff as exquisite pain. Exquisite. Like, like you're some nasty megalomaniac, like super villain. That's like, <laughs> it's exquisite. It's exquisite. <laughs> but no, yeah. Exquisite pain. Like just right, yeah. incredible pain. Worst pain they felt in their life in that area. So we are going to, uh, treat with, with, Pain management, aggressive pain management. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you don't need to be scared about like bottoming these guys' blood pressure out. That's why we're giving fluid in the first place. Like, treat the pain. Yeah. It's going to be the worst moment of their life. Sure. Treat the pain. Um. So yeah, let's just touch on that before we close. We'll just kind of touch on emergency treatment and stabilization options. So, scene safety and PPE is super important. The fangs of whatever's biting or the stainer of what's staining rarely breaks off and stays in the wound. So it's not like, you know, bee stings that kind of teaches like take a piece of paper and try to swipe it away. Mm-hmm. We usually don't have to deal with that. Um, that being said, if you are handling the area and you think that there's a piece and you need to remove it, you need to have proper PPE to remove that latex gloves ain't going to do it because it's the fane's going to cut through and then, Hey, guess what? You got venom in you now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So use the proper PPE in order to do that. Um, be very, very careful with, with handling any of that stuff. Um, make sure that the scene's safe. In my case, that means there's no snakes within a mile radius, (laughs) (laughs) dead or alive, because they can come back to life. Like Indiana Jones, if your victim has fallen into a pit of snakes, don't go down there. Yeah, I mean, you got it. I'm not doing that. I wouldn't go down there with protection with a hazmat suit. No, I would not go down there. Um, (laughs) I lost a train of thought. All right, so um, identify the species if possible, right? And that can be difficult to do. I don't know. It was a snake. I don't know. It was. It had some colors, or it didn't right, have yeah. some colors. It looked like a rattlesnake. We don't know, right? Especially because there's so many different species of pit vipers and rattlesnakes yeah. that we can deal with. We might not be able to narrow it down, but at least we can say, yeah. "Hey, it was a snake. It had a rattle. It was in this area. We can yeah. start. We can start so narrowing it down." Let's check it out. It's right here. Yeah, don't pull the like, head out. <laughs> so, um, identify the species if possible. Call poison control and get early communication with your medical control right mm-hmm. off the bat. Hey, I believe we have an envenomation. Even if the patient doesn't have symptoms, because remember it can be eight hours later, right? Right. right. So, Hey, we, we have a possible, possible envenomation. envenomation. This is the, this is the snake that we believe it was, or this is the scorpion or spider. I've contacted poison control. This is what they're telling me to do. And We're we'll monitor you. these patients in the ER for about eight hours or so. If we know yeah. that there's a possible envenomation, we'll, we'll wait that time out if we need to. Yeah. Cause you imagine just sitting there bit by snake. So waiting to hoping die and you don't <laughs> hoping you don't get symptoms um ice and pain control ice is important to control the swelling and to numb the area and then pain control use your morphine use your fentanyl use your whatever you use um your ketamine but it, it is okay to sedate these patients and, and give them good pain control because they're going to be in a lot of pain airway management is going to be the big you know first thing that we do follow your abcs aggressive airway management you know you may need to bag these patients they might lose their airway intubation might be important um and then aggressive fluid management if they go hypotensive. So just keep in mind, we're, we're watching for these things. We're watching for hypotension. We're watching for airway issues. We're watching for extreme pain in the area. We're watching for compartment syndrome, right? That's why this is important. We know the tools. We know how to handle hypotension. We know how to handle an airway issue. But knowing what this toxin does to the body, we know what to watch for. And we can kind of never be behind the eight ball and be more prepared for what we could see. And then again, we're not tourniqueting anything. We're not putting our mouth on anything. And, you know, those kind of things that like we're just going to yeah not not do that stuff. Right. That's a bad idea. So cool. cool. Awesome. And oh, hey, I like it. Um, 
yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. So hopefully that kind of gives you guys a good overview of envenomations, kind of how to handle them, what to look for. Uh, and also you realize now that you should hate snakes as much as we do. And stay away from them. And stay away from We them. just learned that there's a snake upstairs and I'm terrified now. We did. So we, we may have paused in the middle of this to do a quick edit and uh, our videographer told us that there is a snake in the building and just that is bothering me. So it's <laughs> so, time to sign off. Thank you, guys. A month <laughs> thank you guys for uh, thank you guys for taking the time. We want to uh, thank Elite Medical Training again for uh, sponsoring us today. Check out their website at EliteMedicalTraining.com. See what they're up to. Uh, we will see you guys again next week and uh, hopefully with a better topic. No, I'm just kidding. This, this is good. So, all right, guys, thank you so much and have a good one. Stay sweet. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're an EMT or medic student or an advanced EMT student or an instructor of those students, we have a program just for you. With Sights and Sirens NREMT prep program, you get video lectures over 15 hours of really vetted, great content to help you through your program and help you prepare for the test. Check it out at www.sightsandsirens.com.